What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another nightly recap of the IMCA Race Saver Nationals presented by Sunbelt Rentals. Uh, Brandon, again, joined with James Rowland and Dan Taylor after an exciting night, opening night of racing action here at Eagle Raceway. Boys, what did you think of the, the week so far, the weekend? I got two more nights of this. <laughs> you make that sound and, like and, it's a bad thing. And the night's not over with. <laughs> uh, hell of a night of racing. I mean, I... I uh, I, I was kind of worried that the fans would get impatient with Roger as he kept reworking the track, but I think he made the right calls at the right time. You know, maybe even for pushing the envelope a little bit, maybe he could have reworked it one more time earlier in the night. I think some of those guys uh, in the later heat races, you know, heat race eight or nine, were getting a little frustrated with the, the lack of speed in the track and the lack of movability. But uh, it is what it is, and everybody had to race on the same track, and... Uh, yeah, we saw some great racing tonight. We definitely did. And you mentioned the later heat races. The track really slicked off and, you know, the kind of the mid-pack of the heat races. Uh, it kind of looked like it started taking rubber a little bit here in the, in the later portion of the heat races. He yeah. came back out after the heats, reworked it. We had the uh, Dr. Danger festivities going on. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that killed a little bit of time while Roger was reworking that track. And, I mean, it, it turned out to be a hell of an A feature. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Uh, and, and some of the drivers that qualified, and I, I don't know which is more impre- impressive, some of the drivers that qualified for the A or some of them that didn't qualify for the A. By the way, that is not a sprint car getting fired back up again. That's Dr. Danger doing a test run. That's and actually that, not Dr. Danger. Uh, no? I, I didn't catch the lady's name, but it's one of the Mock gang. Dalton Mock was the one on the stunts tonight. Uh, the Mock family is actually from right down the street, you know, our little lightning tower. Yeah. Out back here. They actually live just south of that. So I, I didn't know that most of Dr. Danger's crew is actually from Nebraska. Hmm. So kind of a neat deal there. That's actually Mr. Mock's wife. This is going to be her first stunt. And, uh, you know, I don't know why anybody would ever want to do that. But I guess it is kind of cool to blow yourself up. So you're saying we have a bunch of crazies here in the state of Nebraska. <laughs> well, yes. You've L- been yeah, around definitely. here long enough to know that. Lucky you for you, Dan, you're from Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't qualify. I'm perfectly sane. Perfectly sane. Perfectly uh, sane. But amazing racing tonight. I was I was really uh, impressed. Some of the uh, kind of the smaller guys, I was really excited for Neil Nikolai to qualify for the A tonight. Uh, that kid has worked so hard in that Butch Bade number 12 N and uh, end up getting the win in his heat race and, and automatically qualifying for the A. But then you look down in the uh, other list of, you know, Jason Martin didn't qualify for the A automatically. I think he finished second. In his heat, Trevor Grossenbacher didn't qualify for the A automatically. Uh, Doug Lovegrove and, and Nate Wilder, I mean, just some really, really good names that didn't qualify. And um, one of them that makes me kind of really excited is uh, uh, Adam Golian didn't transfer. <laughs> yeah, your bet's looking better and better it's, day yeah. by day. Yeah, it only takes one race, though. So, But there's always tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if I know, I mean, Adam is he's a determined little SOB, so... Uh, with this bet on the line, it'll it'll be a little bit more difficult. But I was I was happy yet sad that he didn't make it into the A. Yeah, we're hoping to be joined by tonight's uh, feature winner, Ethan Barrow, out of uh, Bloomington, Indiana. He picked up the feature win. His his night started pretty good. Uh, we'll probably recap it if he does show up. Uh, they have the car in tech right now, so depends on how long we go and if he makes it up here. We'll talk to him or not. But his day started off great. He picked up the cornhole victory after a long, grueling, kind of made his way through the alphabet soup in that deal. Yeah, he did. Uh, his first bat, his first uh, uh, game, they got stomped. I want to say they lost 21-2 or something like that. And uh, so they had to come out of the 
uh, we were calling the last chance qualifier bracket. It's basically a loser's bracket. Uh, and, and they had to work their way out of that. And he had to actually play eight games, and he only lost one total. So when he made it all the way to the championship game, it wasn't that easy of whoever won took it all because he came out of loser's bracket. He had to win a second game. And that second game got a little bit close and a bit of a barn burner. Yep. Then, uh, then his racing action started off with, I believe he started dead last in his heat race. And it was one of the earlier heat races, and he passed everybody and kind of blew their doors off and picked yeah. up the victory in that heat race to transfer directly into that A feature and gave him a uh, starting on the pole of the feature. So, Well, that, I mean, that was I think that's one of the more exciting aspects of the, uh, the Race Saver Nationals. You know, you, you go to some racetracks in some formats and – you know, after two or three laps, drivers kind of know what they've got, so maybe they settle in. Here we go again. Maybe they settle in and and not burn up their equipment and just deal with a fifth place or sixth place finish. Maybe they know they've got something good, but at the Race Saver Nationals, it doesn't matter what you've got. You have got to get in front of that guy. Uh, you've got to get in front of the guy in front of you, and then you got to keep doing that until you end up winning your race because... You come out of the what was the the feature first feature we had tonight was the F G the G no, feature H, H feature it was yes H somewhere Top four in the moved alphabet on. and while we had a couple of drivers that that put on a really good show and came out of the, deep out of the uh, the features they weren't able to get anywhere close to the A yeah for a while it was fun to watch uh, you know the fifty seven B the local boy Boy Peterson here and out of you know races here weekly yep uh, Michelle Parsons they both made a, a run at the alphabet soup I mean it. I don't know when their night came to end, but they did transfer out of two or three different features to uh, uh, they both keep their night going the, on. They both ended in the D. So, James. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, Sorry. so, James, you know, you were down there with the uh, heat race winners. Did any of the heat race winners surprise you one bit, or uh, was it kind of the run of the mill for, for uh, what you thought was going to partake in the uh, festivities tonight? You know, we, we had a pretty good mix down there. It seemed like it was about 50-50 local boys and long haulers. Um, actually, Ethan was a really cool guy to stand down there and talk with. Uh, there was a couple cautions in the heat race after his, so it was nice to get down there and just talk to him. And I just, you know, talking to a guy that you've never talked to before, especially one that makes such a long haul to be here, and just understanding their expectations. All that he was expecting was he wanted to be in that top nine, wanted to be in that top nine. You know, the, and then come feature time, the top four broke away a little bit. From there on back, it was just a slaughterhouse of people trying to make it up to the front. And Ethan led every single one of those laps. And I tell you what, that was probably the most emotional A-feature interview that I've had the pleasure to deliver. And Ethan saying that that's the biggest win of his career, that really, you know, that means a lot for for an event like this. Because we don't get coverage by the national media, but we put on one hell of a show here. Yeah, Wing Nation. (coughs) Sorry, Steve. He's too busy drinking at Knoxville. No, actually, he's down <laughs> oh, at <I'm> Darlington. <laughs> no, he's down at Darlington. Uh, you know, I understand their NASCAR connections, but you'd think with – they've kind of had a range of different secondary hosts. Like, it was Kendra Jacobs for a while before she went over to Knoxville, and then Aaron Ebernham and – oh, I can't think. Ashley Stremme. Ashley Stremme, that's right. So why not send one of those guys along with us? And guys like you or – like Dan Taylor over there, 
Set them up with those guys, and let's have some Wing Nation shows at the Race Saver Nationals. Send one of your guys. We'll send one of ours. Let's make this happen and get this event the exposure that it deserves. Well, you mentioned that Ethan kind of you know brought up that this is the biggest win of his career, and that's saying a whole lot because Ethan runs a little bit of everything. I I seen him uh, running uh, with the USAC uh, non-wing series out there in Indiana. He's run 360 stuff. So, I mean, to come to a... I don't want to say a little 305 race because this is the biggest sprint car race in the country, but you know, it, a 305 is kind of your entry level sprint car. Yeah. But to have that be one of his his biggest uh, accomplishment as a feature win is, is saying a whole lot about this event and what Roger's done to the place. Well, I, I think to kind of follow up what you're kind of getting there with a little bit, Brandon, is that I know that people like to make fun of the sport compacts because they're not near as fast as the sprint cars, the modifies, the late models, or whatever. But if there's anything a sport compact has taught me, it's that. You don't have to have speed and horsepower to put on a good show. Uh, when when Roger brought the race savers over here, I know he got a lot of grief for it, and everyone is now Still patting does, him on the back because yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's putting on a great show. But I mean, it's you don't have to have a lot of horsepower. Uh, Stan Caesar told me that you know Eagle Raceway is the equalizer for a lot of cars. That you could pour a ton of money into your car and still finish outside the top ten. You could be one of the more talented drivers out there. Still finish outside the top ten. It, it takes something special to be able to win at this racetrack. It is such a tough racetrack, such a complicated racetrack, and the surface changes lap to lap. It does. And I, I think, you know, the fact that this is a third mile, you're not racing on a big half mile, the horsepower is not as, much, as key as, you know, if you were on that half mile. And then when this place sticks off, I mean... You don't need all that horsepower. It becomes a driver's track, so you know the talented drivers are going to rise to the top no matter what's underneath that hood. And to, and to kind of accentuate what Ethan was talking about with it being his biggest win, he started on the pole, but I don't take anything away from him. He dominated every one of those laps, ran the fastest lap several times, got through traffic nice and clean. Jason Martin didn't qualify tonight. No, I mean, he, he had a hell of a battle in his heat race. Uh, yeah. Kind of a late race pass and lock himself into uh, the B feature. Because for the longest time, it was looking like he's going to start in the C. Then uh, start, I believe he started on the pole of the, uh, the B. And, I mean, he won that easily. Yeah. And then, you know, I don't know what happened, but he had a hell of a run coming up there and then just kind of faded off towards the end a little bit. Yeah, I missed him right at the end there. Uh, James, did you happen to see what happened to him in that 1A? Because he, he was sitting there in 10th for quite a while, and then all of a sudden he just dropped off. You know, I, I didn't exactly get a look at what happened, but I could definitely notice that he was starting to lose a little bit of speed. I wonder if the car didn't kind of start to go away as the track slicked off more and more, or what the deal was. I'll have to run down and chat with him over at the Melon Bar. And what about uh, uh, Jason Danley and his, was it his heat race that we were just about ready to re- rework the track after that race, and you could see every single lap the smoke off of his tires was getting thicker and thicker. He comes across the start-finish line to take the checkered flag, and that tire goes. Yeah. That, him, and, him and Justin Melton both lost the tire on that last lap. Oh, that was the one where I was crossing back over into the pits to catch <laughs> up with somebody. But I remember thinking, man, I missed two people blowing a tire. Damn yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, we, we kind of mentioned a little bit earlier that uh, our, you know Jason Martin didn't qualify. Somebody our, my heart definitely breaks for is uh, Chad Cook. Yeah. He had a hell of a run, you know, transferred directly. Into the, did he? He, transferred, he won. Yeah, he, yeah, he won his he race. Yep. Uh, started off in the A and just kind of faded there. But, I mean, it's great to see him back in the race car. This is the first time he's been back in, you know, quite a quite a number of weeks. So Since he took a pretty hard spill here, uh, I want to say that was probably early July that he wrecked his car and, and kind of just decided, uh, I'm done pouring money into this car. I'm going to 
retire temporarily at least as, as he was kind of getting his uh, family life figured out. He's going to be a new daddy here in a, in a couple of months. And, and then uh, this opportunity opened up for him to race kind of as a partner operation with Adam Gulley and racing, racing that number 30 that uh, Jordan Grabowski has been racing weekly. So a uh, cool opportunity for him. And I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. It was great to see him having such a good run and heartbreaking to see him finish 10th. Yeah. He missed it by one spot. So, the we'll good see. news, I, I said, to, I can't remember if I, who I said it to up here, but I said, well, you know, the good news for Chad is that it's usually pretty difficult to get through Tech at the Race for Nationals, so usually somebody uh, has some issues, and, and we heard earlier tonight that Shaylee Bain had issues in her heat race and got disqualified for being a little too light. Yeah. Ten pounds underweight. Ten pounds underweight, so. That's frustrating, too, and that's just a, I mean, that's one of those mistakes that ten pounds doesn't do anything on a race car. I mean, no, we've it seen doesn't. it with... What did uh, Johnny uh, sat off when he picked up his win that Saturday night after his grand, after his mom died on Thursday? Five he pounds came across light on that five one. pounds light, and you know, I mean, it, you know that it doesn't make a difference, but a rule's a rule. You can't let a guy go because next time it's going to be ten, and then that doesn't really make a difference. So it's fifteen, and you know, it just it'll snowball from there. So a rule's a rule, and it's unfortunate for. It. Yeah. And when you think about those liquid weights, a gallon of gas weighs about seven pounds, so that's not even. Two extra gallons that you would have had to have thrown in the car. Um, just to clarify, our tech officials were getting a little bit of a hard time over that weight measurement, and uh, I didn't know that they were giving them a hard time, so I walked on there because I walk on there every week just to see what I weigh, and uh, spot on from last week. Fat-ass. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I always... Uh, <laughs> 180 pounds of fat-ass beefcake. He took a zero off. Ladies, he's uh, single. Yeah. <laughs> And you mingling. can find me at the melon bar. Uh, and legal. And it's funny because there's whenever somebody gets DQ'd, the rumblings always seem to happen again of, oh, that scale's been off for years and blah, blah, blah. And, and I remember one year Roger goes, I have that scale calibrated every year before the Nationals. And, and I'm not going to walk into my biggest race with uncalibrated scales. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it, is it calibrated, is it not? You know, we got to take Roger's word for it. But uh, at the same time, it's your driver's responsibility to go down there before the races. Yeah. You know, just double-check your shit. Right. And we've had that, uh, what, two years ago we had a bunch of issues with drivers during their heat races getting disqualified. And Roger said during their driver's meeting the next week, guys, that scale is turned on, and you're welcome to go down there and push your car across and get it checked out. I think Adam Gullion was one of them that came across light one night. So he did for the rest of the year. He went down there before the races and scaled his car and made sure that it was where he thought it was should be and then he was able to kind of get a baseline for it. So it's a helpful opportunity to go down there and scale ahead of time. And I think I even saw some cars going across the scale early in the night. Yeah, we definitely oh, yeah, saw. After hot laps. Yeah, after our abbreviated hot lap session. Yeah. There was a little bit of a controversy. What there? Well, I believe from what I heard uh, from just gathering what, uh, over the radio is, you know, they called for hot laps and no one wanted to show up for it. Oh. So Roger said, you know what, 545, we're done. Hot laps are over. Yeah. So I just, I turned down my radio and we, we've, we're plugged into the race receiver and, I heard Roger say, everybody that's up there in the, in the uh, staging area, it's 545, you're late, we're done. Yep. Go ahead and push them all the way around. And there was probably 35 cars up yeah, there. Yeah, and I feel sorry for Ben and uh, who, uh, is it Jamie that's up there, the, the female up there, you know, directing traffic up there in the pits? Yep. They were getting an earful from everybody and their dogs. So, I mean, they're just the messenger. Uh, I've always say, you got an issue, talk to Roger. Right. You know, you love him or him. hate him. Roger Hayden is about three words. Prompt, precise, and straightforward. Yeah. That was four. Yeah, whatever, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even I count know. that high. 
Uh, well, but yeah, he said can. on the uh, the drivers <laughs> meeting, he said, "If I offend anybody with anything I say here, I'm sorry." And at the end of it, he said, "And if I offended anybody, you can always find me at the tiki bar at the end of the night." Oh, I, I shoot my ass there. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I guarantee you. Tomorrow night, everybody will be at early yeah. for hot laps. You know, it's the thing I give Roger the most credit for is that when the man makes a rule, he sticks to it. And there is no black and there's no gray area to that rule. It's always black and white. And drivers will be drivers, and they will complain, they will bitch, they will moan, they will throw a fit like a three year old petulant child. But the next week, they follow the rule. <laughs> that you know, they do. The keyboard warriors always want to say that there's just no consistent rules. But for as long as I've been part of this, not even working here, but competing or car owning or whatever the hell I've been doing. The consistency is always there in the rules, and it always has been. And as long as the Haydens are the keepers of this place, I think it's going to stay that way. Yeah, I think despite all the uh, the, uh, the the bashing, Roger does a fantastic job at this track. And frankly, his weekly crowd count shows it, his weekly car count shows it, and the Race Saver Nationals, the way it's growing, that's definitely showing it too, where drivers all the way from... Pennsylvania, California. I mean, obviously, I mean, we got the Texas guys that are coming up. California, and, New Mexico, everywhere. North they, Carolina. They come here, and they know what they're going to get. And, and they may not like the ruling, but they know what they're going to get. I, I think it's showing out on the on the, the way that the crowd's turning out, the cars are turning out. It's just being a great event year after year. Yeah, it definitely grows year and year. What, do we know a official car count number? Was it 115, I believe? So that's a little bit confusing. My registration sheet has 122 cars pre-registered. We had 11 heat races of eight cars tonight. So out of 122 pre-registered, we only had 88 that came out. Now we had one car that showed up late, so we had a little bit of a confusion with the, set, with the final two heat races. So I think we had 89 cars that checked in tonight. And I, uh, James, remind me, and Brandon, you can too. You guys were down there in the uh, thick of it. I don't remember seeing anybody that really destroyed their car that they're going to be done for the weekend. Most of the repairs should be done over Mike Moore, he took the tumble down there on the front oh, stretch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his car was pretty beat up. The, uh, the whole front clip needs to be replaced on that. So I don't know if he has a backup car or another frame. And I or was not. really impressed with the way he was running tonight. He was very strong in his heat race, and I believe. His tumble got somebody in that that was on the uh, edge, and I can't remember oh, off the top man. of my head who it was. I don't know. Uh, you know, eleven heat races it all becomes a blur. I, know. I think his tumble because I think he was running second, and uh, Jason Martin was running third. I think that's what I was thinking of. Was that was the reason why Jason Martin was able to get up into second and come out of the B? But uh, great night tonight. Yeah, congratulations, Ethan Barrow, picking up the win. Drukey comes home in second. Danley in third. Trevor Service in fourth. Cody Ledger picks up a top five. Jake Bubach, no surprise there. I'm only surprised that he qualified sixth. I kind of figured that he'd be able to get up into the top three, top four. I don't know. Uh, Starting 10th, he kind of had his work cut out for him a little bit. But, I mean, still, you locked in that top nine. Trevor Grossenbacher, uh, Dustin Strope, and Chad Wilson were your final uh, three cars that got qualified for Sunday. Really exciting format. If you've never been to the Race Saver Nationals, we're going to start three wide. Tonight we establish the first three rows. We come back tomorrow night. We're going to establish the next three rows, and then Sunday with the last chance qualifiers will be the final three rows. Now these uh, this top nine is all unofficial. They still have to all pass right. post race tech, which we know can be a little bit tricky for some. Uh, you can ask Cody Ledger that from last year. <laughs> so he had a little issue with uh, some titanium bolts last year and, and whatnot. But I ran into Tracy Ledger as they were getting the car pre-tech, and I go, "You get all that titanium out?" He goes. 
I checked this thing over twice. There's no titanium <laughs> in it. That was speaking they, of Tracy, he has a birthday coming up on Sunday. Really? And I know they're going to make a big old fiesta out of that deal. Oh, that'll so, be exciting. Now, if Cody parks in a victory lane on Sunday, that would be even better for him. I, I tell you, I've... Uh, I, I got the pleasure of working with Stan Caesar for several years, who's the owner of that 47 car, and uh, I'd never seen Stan more excited. Uh, what was that Saturday night that they finished? I want to say they won it or finished second or third in that race. I believe they and, won uh, it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they did win it, and I've never seen Stan that excited in my life. Um, and then minutes later, he got the phone call that they were teching uh, – for titanium and that they had titanium bolts on that car that were illegal and the valley was deep on from going from that peak of that high to the to the valley it was tough to watch and i know i know that's been a bitter thing for staying all year long because to this day in his pocket is that titanium bolt that got him disqualified stays in his pocket every single day and it's just one of those things that's sticking with him and he would i i would I think he would cry if he got to that win. The, yeah, that, that 47 has never found victory lane uh, with Cody Ledger behind the wheel and, and in the race saver format. So I think that would be a huge, huge thing for Cody Ledger and, and that, that Ledger team and obviously Stan and Buddy who put so much time and effort into that car. I know as James and I were walking the pits earlier this, uh, this afternoon, this morning, uh, we did run into Stan, and he was giving us some shit about, you know, we were picking, you know, like Stu Snyder to win, and no, none of us mentioned Cody. Yeah, and uh, Cody's definitely you know opened up a lot of eyes here this weekend, and even last weekend. I mean, he had a hell of a run, you know, in just a weekly format. Eighteenth yeah, to fifth. So well, and, and you know, Cody for me, it's it, it's always been it's never been a talent issue with me when I'm picking somebody to win. It's it's always been a survivable issue, and for some reason, the last three years, that boy has just found the wreck every single time he gets out on the racetrack or had some sort of misfortune. I mean, tonight they were even talking about he went out for his hot laps. And they called him back into the pits because they, the team found something or heard something with that engine and got him into the pits, and he was running on seven cylinders. One, running on seven cylinders and won the heat race that way. Handedly. Switched the motor and came back out and had a stellar run tonight. Yeah. Um, kind of switching gears backwards, you had talked about the pre-registered number, and when yep. we were down there earlier talking to Stan, Stan actually made a really good point, you know, the... The pre-entry fee for this event is only $15. So, you know, $15 in a racer's checkbook, that's that's nothing. That's yeah, pocket so change. Stan was saying if we upped the entry fee cost, you know, take it from 15 to 60 and then give the driver back when they actually show up, give them their first night pit pass for free to refund part of their pre-registry cost and i i just thought that was a hell of an idea i'm definitely gonna have to buy roger a melon and talk to him about it once again stan caesar is full of fantastic ideas that's because i think that's always been a problem is we last year we had 118 pre-registered cars we had 100 and i think 108 show up and a lot of those guys were just drivers that said you know what i don't i just don't have the funds to make the haul all the way up there at the end of the season I wrecked my car on the final points night, whatever it was. They just had circumstance pop up. But this year was was more than norm. Yeah. It was, uh, and I'm, I'm a little perplexed by it. I mean, at the same time, you know, with the whole uh, COVID situation that's going yeah. on everywhere, it's easy to, you know, hey, there's a race available. If we're not racing, we can get up there for it. Yeah. So, like you said, it's 15 bucks. It's pocket change to some of the drivers, you know, just for a registration fee. 
And, uh, you know, if they had a race, you know, if their local track gets scheduled on there, then, you know, they're racing at home instead of coming up here. Right. Well, and on the contrary of that, you know, you think about the COVID deal. Like, um, I had some family in town that actually came out here for a couple weeks to watch some racing from Texas. And as soon as they got back, they couldn't even go to work for 14 days. So, I mean, for anybody, you talk about $15 being a drop in the bucket, losing two weeks' pay, that could mean your mortgage payment. Yeah, that definitely could be. So, I mean, uh, I think the good news is the government made it so that you can't not pay people for that. Yeah, that, that's uh, two weeks. But uh, but still, to be away from work that long, I mean, it's yeah, it's uh, it 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 makes you think twice about where you're going to go and, and spend your vacation money. Yeah, definitely. So, kind of recapping, you know, we had our top nine locked in. Uh, who do we think is going to lock in tomorrow night? <laughs> James, you picking go Adam? With Chad Cook. <laughs> I definitely think Chad could do it. I mean, he had a hell of a run this, you know, tonight. Uh, you know, piggyback off that success, and you know, I'm sure he'll lock in. Um, I think we're going to see Boston get locked in tomorrow. Jason night. Martin, I think you're going to find getting locked yeah. in. I would be surprised if Martin doesn't. Um, I would love to see Ryan Kitchen. I I, I got a uh, obviously a special connection with that 25 car that he's running for Gunner Pike. And uh, I know Ryan... Big time is, sponsor over here. <laughs> yeah, I, always, I always think back to that. I'm like, you know, I kind of push a little bit too much for the little money I send him. <laughs> but, uh, but anyways, yeah. It's, uh, and Ryan hasn't been in a race car since May of last year, so I would love to see him get qualified. And he's got a lot of talent with his USAC time and wingless time and uh, various cars that he's raced in. But there's just so many good drivers. I mean, in... And unfortunately, I, I I would love it if uh, if Adam Golian didn't get locked in. Just just once again, I we would, got a fan club out here, yeah, guys. Yeah, we do. Oh, uh, she was. You know, we were. I, I was pretty excited about our uh, rocking the the music tonight during the fluff and buff periods, and and we had uh, the fan that's down here hollering at us. She asked if we could play uh, Nene. I don't know the exact name of the song. Yeah. The, oh, I don't know. Watch the me, Nene. Nene. Watch me whip. Whipping Nene or something. Apparently, like that. Do leg. I saw him sitting down in section G. Her grandma was whipping and Nene and stanky legging like there was no but no tomorrow. So, in other she, words, Granny was out there getting it. Oh, yeah. She got it good. Yeah. <laughs> and she came up and asked. She said, could you play that song? My grandma could do it so good. And I'm like, if I, that's words that are music to my ear. I'll absolutely play it. I think James is going to go down and try to find Grandma later on tonight. <laughs> uh, red, I don't know about Grandma, shirt. maybe granddaughter. <laughs> red, white, and blue tie-dye shirt. <laughs> All right, I think that's going to do it for this uh, nightly recap. Uh, there's uh, a line at the Melon Bar. We need to get in it. We yep. need to get some drinks. Yep. The bands are rocking. Uh, all the post-race festivities are definitely under underway, so uh, we need to get in there and uh, call it a night. Deal. All right, Thanks strap on your drinking hats, boys. All right, we'll check everybody on the flip, light, the flip side. Have a good night, everybody.